Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We start with an update on Executive Order 13950. That's the executive order titled the Executive Order on Combating Race and Sex Stereotyping. And we've talked about that before on this podcast. So there are a couple of updates. On November 20th, both NASA and DOD issued class deviations requiring that contracting officers incorporate the language from the EO into solicitations issued on or after November 21st. So we're starting to see that language show up in solicitations and then contracts that result from those solicitations. At the same time, two pending lawsuits recently filed, one by the NAACP on behalf of the National Urban League and National Fair Housing Alliance in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, and one by a group of LGBTQ civil rights organizations in the Northern District of California. Those two lawsuits present challenges to the executive order. No significant action has occurred in the lawsuit in D.C. However, plaintiffs in the matter filed in the Northern District of California have moved for preliminary injunction, claiming the executive order violates the First and Fifth Amendments and arguing that the executive order has silenced plaintiffs by cutting plaintiffs off from federal funding through grants, contracts, and by preventing them from providing diversity training to recipients of such grants and contracts. The motion for PI will be heard on December 10th, and we expect a decision quickly thereafter. Additionally, opposition to the executive order has been raised on Capitol Hill. There is a bill pending that would, in effect, nullify the executive order. And in addition, the long-term effects of the executive order may well be moot, as many industry observers expect that President-elect Biden will rescind the order relatively quickly after inauguration. Yuan, over to you. Thanks, Peter. Now, turning to an update on the hot topic of commercial item contracting. On November 23rd, the DOD issued a proposed rule to amend the DFARS in accordance with Section 848 of the NDAA for fiscal year 2018. Now, Section 848 modifies the statutory authority in 10 U.S.C. 2238 to allow contracts awarded under FAR Part 12 procedures to serve as prior commercial item determinations unless the appropriate official issues a written determination that the use of those prior FAR Part 12 procedures were improper or that it's no longer appropriate to acquire the item using commercial item acquisition procedures. Now, while that's great news for DOD contractors, the proposed rule doesn't impact the FAR or how civilian agencies make commercial item determinations. Now, turning to some developments related to Service Contract Act enforcement. For those who may not be familiar, the SCA seeks to ensure that service workers on certain federal contracts receive pay and benefits that reflect current employment conditions in their locality. So on November 23rd, the GAO released a report on the Department of Labor's implementation of SCA requirements. It looked at what available data reveals about past SCA cases, what challenges the DOL faces in enforcing the SCA, and how contracting agencies implement the SCA. Well, based on available data from fiscal years 2014 through 2019, the GAO reported that the DOL had brought over 5,000 total enforcement actions in those years, 
with a steady uptick in investigations annually. Now, over half of those 5,000 cases concerned contractors of two agencies, the DOD and the Postal Service. And the DOL found actual SCA violations in over 3,500 of those cases. The report also noted that the DOL encountered a number of challenges in enforcing the SCA, such as difficulty with gaining agency assistance in withholding contract payments as an enforcement mechanism. So the GAO made six recommendations, including that the agencies improve communication and information sharing, particularly on investigation and debarment outcomes. So continued SEA enforcement is certainly an area to keep an eye on. Peter? So now we turn to artificial intelligence and the continued focus of that topic for the government and government contractors. On November 17th, the Office of Management and Budget issued a memorandum that contained guidance for regulation of artificial intelligence applications. That guidance document provides policy considerations for AI applications that are developed and deployed by the private sector. The memorandum notes that fostering innovation and growth in AI is a top priority for the government, and thus agencies must avoid implementing policies or procedures that hamper those priorities. To that end, the memo sets forth guidance and principles that agencies should consider when determining whether regulation over AI capabilities are necessary. It identifies four non-regulatory actions that agency can take outside of rulemaking, and it addresses how to reduce barriers to the deployment and use of AI. The memo requires agencies to submit a plan that identifies any regulations governing the use of AI applications to OMB no later than May 17, 2021. But the flip side of this is important too. So this is focused on how to reduce barriers, but we also see a lot right now where agencies are actively trying to foster the use of AI and doing a lot through procurement to carry that out. So there's a lot of activity going on in AI and this memo is just sort of the latest part in that chapter. Turning back to Yuan for an interesting GAO decision on key personnel. Great, thanks, Peter. Our final topic, a quick update on the ever-evolving GAO case law on key personnel. While on November 2nd, the GAO denied a protest challenge that was filed by Small Business Avair LLC, which alleged that the awardee materially misrepresented the availability of its key personnel of program manager under a DOJ solicitation. Well, what's pertinent here was the timeline of events. About one week after the DOJ informed Avera that it selected another awardee, Avera learned that one of its proposed subcontractor employees gave notice that she would be resigning from the company and would be serving in that program manager key personnel position for the awardee. Well, according to Avera and its subcontractor, this would be in breach of the employee's non-compete agreement, so Avera filed the instant protest alleging the non-availability of that key person, given that the proposed individual was subject to a non-compete that prohibited her from working with the awardee's team. Well, consistent with prior GAO opinions on private disputes, GAO held once again that it does not review disputes between private parties, such as the validity of the non-compete agreement here. So the GAO would not consider any impact that the non-compete agreement would have in rendering the awardee's proposal unacceptable, and dismissed the protest. Peter? Perfect. And with that, we will wrap up for today. 
thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks so much for joining us. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. Podcast.